My name's Andrew Conrad. I've met many of you, but if I haven't, I would love to meet you. I'm the pastor of the church here. Um, if you haven't been with us, or if you're new or just kind of coming back for Mother's Day, missed the last couple of weeks or something, you may have missed an announcement. So I hope you've seen it. And that announcement is about Taylor and Rachel Fletcher moving um, to Harrisonburg. Um, and you should have received that via email. This is a plug for the weekly news. If you're signed up to the weekly news, you'll see this as well. And also see the letter, the wonderful letter that um, Rachel wrote that was spiritually encouraging and faith-filled. Um, she's a gifted writer and, and teacher in that way. And so uh, we will miss them dearly. Um, a job description has been posted for uh, the position of director of worship. Uh, that is a part-time position. It's on our website. If you're interested or if you know of anybody else that may be interested, please point them to us. Um, speaking of job descriptions, I have another one that I want to make you aware of. Uh, let me just read the, the job description here. It says this, lifelong team players needed for challenging permanent work in an often chaotic environment. Candidates must possess excellent communication and organizational skills, be willing to work in various, various hours, which will include weekends and frequent 24-hour shifts on call, some overnight travel required, including trips to primitive camping sites on rainy weekends and sports tournaments in faraway cities, travel expenses not reimbursed, must be willing to be loved one minute and hated the next, to be both indispensable and embarrassing, required skills, the ability to organize social gatherings for all ages and mental outlooks, basic first aid and responding to emergencies due to hoverboard and bicycle crashes, assembly of cheap plastic toys, repair of toilets and janitorial work on a regular basis, proficiency in technology that advances faster than the refrigerator goes empty, project coordination for multiple homework assignments and college applications, and work some to bring in a little extra income for the family, if you can do that. Experience, none required. It's on the job training, it's offered continually. You get nine months to get ready. Wages and compensation, none. In fact, you pay them and quite some large bonuses for college and weddings. And when you die, you give them whatever's left. <laughs> and weirdly enough in this arrangement, you would love to give them more if you could. Benefits. No health benefits, but significant health strain. No paid holiday or sick leave. You will have tears, you will have laughs, you will have hugs, you will have kisses with a lifelong, never-ending love. We should acknowledge that much of this is also true of dads, but dads, it's not your day. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to the moms. And what I want to do today is actually talk to moms, but even as I do that, recognizing that so much is applicable to all of us, and there's much for all of us to learn. And, and so today I would like us to consider how motherhood leads you to encounter Jesus. That's the title of the sermon, is how motherhood leads you to encounter Jesus. And I want to talk uh, about this with you in four different main points that we'll go through here, but um, one is the difficulty of motherhood. The other is the responsibility of motherhood. The third is the humility of motherhood. And fourth is the theology of motherhood. And um, so we'll start with the difficulty of motherhood. Yep. We just need to acknowledge right up front that there 
is a lot of difficulty, a lot of joys, and a lot of sorrows. Uh, for many of you, there's great joy on this day. You have kids, you have adopted maybe, um, you love your mom. For some, it's difficult for a variety of reasons. It's difficult because of infertility, because of the loss of a child, because you're a single mom working two jobs, because your mom has passed away, or you have a rocky relationship with your mom. And so we need to acknowledge the difficulties. And women, you need to understand that you have dignity being made in God's image. And that does not change whether or not you have kids. You have dignity and value because you are a woman created in the image of God. And today, we honor all women because without moms, none of us would be here. Motherhood, though, is not just biological, right? I mean, there's adoption, there's foster care, there's spiritual motherhood. Um, Spiritual motherhood, right? A a second mom who shows you Jesus. I mean, in so many ways, this is what the church is and what the church does, right? I mean, that's why we talk about things like Operation Christmas Child. It's a way the church comes together to be dads and moms in an extension kind of way to bring support to kids in far-off places who otherwise wouldn't have it and wouldn't get the education and health care that they need and wouldn't hear about Jesus. It's why we talk about compassion and have compassion children. It's why we had... Mark and, Mary, Mark and Mary early talk about foster care in our city and the need for that. That's why we talk about adoption, because Christians throughout the ages have said, we will care for children. And it's a, reflect, it's a reflection of moms, and of dads too, but again, it's Mother's Day. Reflection of, of motherhood in that way, right? And, and so it's important for us to recognize that it takes the whole church to raise children, that each of you play a part in that and you're helping in that. It's, there's this, the whole work of encouragement. The whole church is a family to all, to single, divorced, widowed, married, parents or not, old, young, everyone. We're connected. We're that family. And how we love one another matters. In fact, how we love one another is far more meaningful than our strategic programs and uh, plans, and our strategic plans and our, and our glitzy programs. That love matters. And and so one of the questions to ask yourself today related to the difficulty of motherhood is in your difficulties, moms, are you asking people in the church for help or are you trying to do it alone? Because there may be lots of pressure to feel like I just got to get it together, got to get my act together. But that doesn't mean you're doing that alone. Ask for help. Let's talk also about the responsibility of motherhood. The responsibility of motherhood, the second point here, is about the formation of children, which again also applies to dads, but again we're talking to moms. And um, I want to talk to you about this in two ways. We could, this could be a whole series of sermons, right, on the formation of children. I'm going to highlight two things very quickly. One is you need to be teaching the moral law of God. That is, we can say God's commandments. You need to teach them the laws of God. We see this in Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, which I'm going to read to you. It says, These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them 
as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What it's saying is impress them is that word to like to, to leave a mark when you make an impression, right? Make sure that they know it, that they get it, that they know the commands and the law of God. You should talk about it day and night from beginning of the day to end of the day. At your house when you're going out to work, when you're along the road, when you lie down to go to sleep. All these things to be reminded of God's goodness and his law to us. I mean, practically, teach your child to pray as soon as he or she can speak. Start teaching them to say prayers, to talk to God. Read scripture at home. And that should inform your life from beginning to end throughout the day. Memorize Bible verses together and put them uh, in your heart. Um, verbally, you need to encourage your kids. Recognize good behavior and, and praise them for it, right? Some of you are really good at that and some of you aren't. It's just the way we are, right? I naturally am not a good person of encouragement to praise others. I'm always looking to compete and get that extra edge and so looking where there's room for improvement. And that comes across very negatively a lot. Like, well, you could have done this a little better. Right? So that's something I have to be very aware of. So encourage when you see good behavior. Give positive reinforcement. Correct bad behavior when you see it, especially if it's willfully rebellious behavior. Right? One of our jobs as parents and moms, your job too, is to teach your kids to respect authority. You're an authority over them. They need to respect you. If they don't learn to respect you, they won't respect teachers in schools. They won't respect governing officials. They won't respect anybody else. And they won't learn to respect God who's in authority over them. You have to teach respect in that way. And when it comes to being, uh, giving positive affirmation, you know, it, it's, you should be at least twice as much positive as there is negative. Now, why is that? Because we hear negative things much more loudly. And, and some would say maybe 10 times as much. Uh, in fact, I had one man who is a significant, a successful businessman. He was the vice president for General Electric, so he was pretty successful. Um, said that you need to encourage people. And nine times out of 10, people need a pat on the back. And one time they need a kick in the pants. And you got to figure out which one it is. But it's true in parenting that there's so much encouragement. The pat on the back is needed so often. Yeah, you got this. Come on, let's go. And go with them in it. Encourage them along in that. So teach them the moral law. Teach them God's commandments. And they're in there. They're in this, what I just read to you is Deuteronomy 6. But Deuteronomy 5 was the commandments, right? The Ten Commandments. But the other part of this I want to talk to you about is you need to teach them the love of God that is behind the law of God. You got to teach them the love of God that is behind the law of God. Let me go back to that passage in Deuteronomy 6 and you look at it with me. It'll be on the screen. We'll read verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5, uh, I think I put those. Yep, there they are. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength love. Then it says, and then impress those commandments, keep them on your heart. Love the Lord your God. Love for the Lord will form the desire within you to keep his law, right? You can keep laws for different reasons, but what, what the scripture is telling us 
And moms, what the scripture is telling us to impress upon our kids is that you should keep rules, not just because I tell you to keep rules, not because I said so, even though that's true, because you're an authority, but because there's love behind it. They are good for you, and it teaches us about the love of God. This is where understanding the love of God behind the law of God is helping us shape and understand the grace of God for us that changes duty from to delight, to, from duty to delight. If you're just thinking, I'm just going through, and it's just my duty, it's my duty, how does it become a joy? How does it become a delight? It becomes a delight when you understand the love of God for you. Consider, for example, a commandment like lying, right? The ninth commandment um, says, do not lie. That command reveals something about the character of God. The command, do not lie, reveals to us that God prizes truth. Why? Why would God prize truth? Well, the Bible tells us that God is truth. But the reason God prizes truth and not lies is because what he wants from us is a relationship in which we trust him. And you can't trust somebody who's a liar. So when God says don't lie, it's just not because it's nice or good, though it is. It's because it goes to the fundamental character of who he is. And he's saying, I am trustworthy. If I say it's going to rain, get out your rain jacket because it's going to rain, right? Like God is saying, if I say it, it happens. You can trust me. And we need to trust him. Honesty is foundational to relationships. And so God gives us commands because they are part of his character that reveals his love. Let me put this another way to you. Morality without the love of God is simply behavior modification. It's simply behavior modification. It's not the whole gospel. The gospel is not behavior modification. It's not simply a Pavlovian response to a stimulus. The gospel is a heart transformation that has to occur through the love of God that comes to us in Jesus Christ, even when we don't deserve it, which is most of the time, right? Because that's not who we are. We are rebels at heart and we don't deserve it, but God pours out his love to us, visits us in Jesus, and gives that love to us. That's the kind of love that changes your heart. And if you're still like wrestling with this idea of Christianity and you're like, okay, I'm here and it's Mother's Day and I'm trying to figure out this Jesus thing, something that's really important for you to understand is that Christianity is not just a system of rules. Christianity is not just an idea. It's not just about principles to guide your life. It is at its heart about a person. And that person is Jesus. And what God wants is for you to have relationship with Jesus. You go, okay, I trust you. Yeah, Jesus, I love you what that commandment said. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Can you say, okay, God, I love you. Yeah. That's the stirring of the heart, the love that comes from God. So a question here in this is in your responsibilities, are you teaching kids not only the law of God, but the love of God? Right? Lots of people teach ethics and morals, but are you teaching them the love of God? As I watched uh, Michelle, my wife, dance with Hannon, our oldest son, at his wedding two weeks ago, I was very thankful. Um, it was a sweet moment. 
There's a picture I have of it where her head is on Hannon's chest and they're dancing. And I'm very thankful and grateful that the song that uh, Hannon chose is the song called She Loves Me Like Jesus Does by Eric Church. Because what he is saying in that moment on that wedding day is that through the ups and downs of my life, my mom has showed me the love of Jesus. And that's worth it all, right? It's not just the laws, but the love that changes hearts. You may be uh, hearing this, and it's a short day-to-day with Mother's Day in a short sermon here, and thinking, wow, okay, this is, a, this is a lot. Yeah, motherhood's difficult, and there's a lot of responsibility, and we didn't even touch a lot of it. But I've got to not only communicate to my kids the law of God, but somehow get them as they're young to understand the love of God. This is a tall order. How am I supposed to do all this? This just feels overwhelming. I just give up. Which is why it's important that you understand this third point, the humility of motherhood. The humility of motherhood requires you to realize your limitations. Right? Moms, you cannot be present all the time with your kids, no matter what Life 360 tells you. That only gives you knowledge. You're not present. And sometimes it's not even helpful. Sometimes it is. You cannot be present all the time. You can't be perfect all the time. You're not going to be all-knowing in every situation. You can't fix all problems. You have to know your limitations. Why? You are probably a super mom. I have no doubt of that. But you are not God. Limitations are God's gift to people, to moms and dads, adults and children, They're God's gift to say, you have limits. You can't do all that. It's not the way you're designed to be because you're not me. You're not God. And you need me. And you need me desperately. They're a gift to remind you of your role. And it's a gift to remind you every time you bump against that barrier, that limit where you've run out of patience with your kid, where you don't know what to say, where you can't be in two places at once, where you can't do this. It's a reminder that limit is to that you need Jesus as much as your kids do. And you need to remind them of that and remind yourself of that. Those limits are reminders. So if you want me to say it a different way, I say it this way. Look, don't try to fix what you don't have the power to solve. It's going to frustrate you. You're limited in that. Pray about it. For sure, pray about it. You're not the source of all knowledge and power. Point them to the Savior. Don't try to be the Savior. Just be mom. Don't be super mom. Just be mom. That's what your kids need. Mom who knows and loves Jesus. That'll make you a great mom. When your children are scared and anxious, point them to trust in God and to pray. Psalm 56.3 talks about that. That's what it says. Like, when I'm afraid... I put my trust in you. When your kids are afraid and anxious, just say, look. You can say, it's okay, mommy's here, but you know what? Mommy gets scared too. Let's pray and ask God. Turn to him when we're afraid. When your children are becoming arrogant or even mean, you got to confront them, but pray with them that God would give them both the strength that they need and a tender heart that cares for people. When you've had it and it's like you're done and, and you like... Uh, 
a helper comes home, babysitter shows up, husband comes home, whoever it is, and you're like, I've had it, and you've got the kids like arm's length, take them now. Like when you're done, when you want to pull your hair out, recognize your need for God's help, that you need fortitude, patience, kindness, and compassion, even for your own kids. And so a question here related to the humility of motherhood is this. Do you have the humility to embrace your limitations? Do you lean on God in prayer? Or are you always trying to overcome your limitations? The bottom line is this. You will either show your kids how much you trust and love God or you'll show them how, how much you're good enough to do life on your own. What are you showing them? And the fourth point here as we wrap up is this, the theology of motherhood. This is significant because what I want to do here is ask, what does motherhood teach us about God? In other words, moms, and I really want you to hear me on this, is while there's lots of things that are difficult about motherhood, desire to be a mom, being a mom, not being a mom, lots of difficulties, and great responsibility, and it's humbling that's had us looking at you and kind of how you interact with kids and what you need to know. I really want to turn your eyes away from you as mom to God. I want us to ask the question, what does it teach us? What does motherhood teach us about God? God is a spirit. He does not have, uh, he is not a man or a woman. In fact, it, God, is not a man or a woman. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth is what our catechisms say. Yet God did come in the flesh as a man, Jesus, as the second Adam to represent humanity after Adam had failed. And Jesus teaches us to pray, saying, our Father. The Bible certainly talks about God and the fatherhood of God. But it also talks and compares um, God in places to ways that, that mothers do things like giving life, like nurturing, like protecting, and probably more. Let me just give you a few examples though. So God cares for his people like a midwife cares for the child she has just delivered. Psalm 22, 9 and 10. Look at these uh, slides here. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. So recognizing that the connection to mom is a reminder that God is my God, even as my mother is close to me and nourishes me. God will never forget his children like a mother doesn't forget a nursing child. Isaiah 49, 15. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. God is saying, I will not forget you. I will care for you like a child like a nursing mother does. God comforts his people like a mother. Isaiah 66, 13. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. God is showing that tender care for his people in that way. And God experiences the anger of moms. You've heard that phrase, mama bear? Hosea 13, verse 8. Like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open. Like a lion, I will devour them. A wild animal will tear them apart. 
right? Like a mama bear whose t- cubs have been taken away. God's saying, I'm going to come after my people. Jesus speaks about how he wants to protect the people of Jerusalem in Matthew 22:37, and he compares it like to a mother hen gathering chicks. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you are not willing. You see what Jesus is saying there? Like a hen gathers her chicks under the wings to protect. Jesus is saying, I would love to open my arms and gather your children together like a mom does. Come on. This is meant to point us, motherhood is being used here as an example to point us to God saying, this points us to the nurture and the tender care and the protection of God over his children, over us, his people. This is what God does for us. And I want your eyes to be turned to see that. Yet there's also something that is striking to me in nature itself. And well, I'll, yeah, I'll say this. The, the time for a mom to care for her young, okay, in nature, whether it's human or animal, okay, the time for a mom to care for her young seems longest for humans to me compared to other animals. Now, don't get me wrong. Moms, you'll be glad to know, I think, that you are not an elephant whose gestational period is 22 months, Orangutans nurse their young for six years. But humans, humans remain children the longest. Their path to adulthood is the longest. Why is that? I don't know the answer to that, but it just struck me in that way. They take the longest to reach adulthood, and I wonder, I wonder if that's part of God's design so that we see in his image, created in his image as humans, the duration of his care for us as people. You will always be my children. Any mom will tell you that. It doesn't matter how old the kids are. Still a mom and you're always my child. And I think that tells us something about God and the way he looks at us. Oh yeah, you're grown up. You know you're still my child. I still want to throw my arms around you and hug you. I still want to have you come rest with me and talk to me and don't outgrow me. You know, just like you write your mom happy's Mother Day, happy Mother's Day card, why don't you talk to me today too? Right? This is the tender care of God that we are reminded of, that our eyes are lifted to to say, wow, this is how God treats us. And what a beautiful and glorious thing it gives to mothers to say, this is part of what you do as you care for your kids. Moms, what, what I want you to see here then is, is that persistent, never-ending attention and training that you give your kids. God has that infinitely more than you do, and he has it for you. Please don't miss this today, moms. I don't want you to leave here just being overburdened like, oh man, I got another thing to do. I want you to see that God cares for you far more than you care for your own kids. And actually, he loves your kids more than you love your kids, which is a hard thing to realize. I need to wrap up here. So I'm going to leave you with these takeaway questions. Takeaway questions are these. 
in your difficulties, are you asking people in the church for help or trying to do it alone? In your difficulties, are you asking people in the church for help or are you trying to do it alone? Second, in your responsibilities, are you teaching kids not only the law of God, but the love of God? In your responsibilities, are you teaching kids not only the law of God, but the love of God? Do you have the humility to embrace your limitations? Do you lean on God in prayer? Do you have the humility to embrace your limitations? And lastly, does your theology remind you again and again of God's loving care for you, especially in the joys and sorrows of motherhood? Does your theology remind you of God's loving care for you? Mothers, we are grateful for you and we love you. And as we look today and celebrate moms, it should cause us all to say, yes, thank you, moms. But then to lift our eyes up and go, thank you, Lord, that you have loved us like the perfect mother with never-ending love that cares, shows compassion, nourishes, protects, guides, and is always there. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you will help us today to see that, to see that we need that kind of care, the care of moms as well as the care of dads, yes. Lord, we pray that you will help us to know that. I pray specifically that you will help us to see the very person of who you are and the way that you love and that we will be so moved by that that it will change us from operating in a mindset of duty to one of delight, and that that would impact our kids for generations to come. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.